0: Saving it up Friday night. With the Sultans. With the Sultans of Slam. And welcome to the day. Go on and slam. Hey, welcome to the Sultans of Slam for Sunday, January 10th, 2021. If you're listening to this at earliest Monday evening, I apologize as the show may have gone up late. Last week we had some issues recording Public Beta Podcast, but we got it figured out in the end and that went up on Friday, so check that out. I'm your host this week, Lee. I've been off in terms of salt and slam for a couple weeks here, so we have two episodes of AEW Dynamite to review today. One of which, the best ever, period. And the other, a really good show that nobody watched. Uh, So first and foremost, let's talk about December 30th's edition, I believe it was. Uh, And that was the Brody Lee Tribute Night. Tony Khan went ahead and tossed out his scripts for the New Year's Bash uh, and and etc., And made a total show uh, in honor of Brody Lee. And, I mean, it's been talked to death already. Here I am coming to it two weeks later. Uh, But I want to echo the the sentiment that this was maybe one of the best wrestling shows. Uh, Of course, a man had to die prematurely for this to uh, exist. Uh, But in terms of what they accomplished here, in terms of honoring a man, in terms of working his family uh, into the show, in terms of making a time capsule... Uh, that his kids and his family will have forever, uh, and also setting a precedent for what something like this should be. God willing, no wrestler ever dies prior to their uh, uh, retirement uh, ever ever again, but should it happen, let this be a shining example of how to properly honor someone. My God. Uh, so if you're not familiar with AEW, I don't know why the hell you're listening to this in the first place, but... Obviously, or at least it was obvious to me, uh, that once they included the Dark Order in every uh, every uh, match on the card of this show, that the Dark Order would go over uh, in every match. But on paper, when you saw this thing laid out, the thing you were not expecting is the constant uh, fluctua- bipolar uh, fluctuation between elation... Uh, in the same way that you get when someone makes a joke at a funeral and it's the funniest thing you've ever heard and you think about it later and you're like, only at a funeral would have that joke worked because it was completely lame. That was kind of the mood. Uh, and then also just, man, ca- cathartic. Uh, it's like a healing thing. Uh, like watching these wrestlers uh, both perform uh, in ring, some of them having their greatest matches in AEW to date. Uh, hearing some some of the promos being cut from the heart of these guys. uh uh, unreal. Let's let's try to run down the show as best we can, and I'll try to comment on it as we go. Uh, I am not using my own notes for this, or most of the second AEW Dynamite. I did write notes for the AEW Championship match between Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega that was put on hold for this week. The show opens with a 10-bell ten, uh, ten salute, with all of AEW standing on the, uh, on the upper ramp, including Tony Khan, including some of the guys from the back. Everybody's there, uh, including uh, Amanda, Brody's uh, wife. And his kids, uh, Brody Lee Jr., aka Negative One, uh, was wearing a like Luchador Dark Order mask and a and a suit, looking good here for most of the show. And he uh, he factored in to to some of the show as well. After that, John Moxley cuts a pretty solemn promo about his buddy. Of course, they were on the road and and, and worked together for for years and years and years in uh, in WWE and maybe even before that on on indies. uh, In the same way that Chikara and stuff like that, uh, Eddie Kingston has connections with this guy. Uh, No matter where this guy was, he he made an impact and people had nice fucking things to say about him. And let's never forget that. Uh, I'm not going to repeat word for word any of these promos or anything like that. Uh, Moxley kind of summed up uh, a general... uh, thing of thoughts here, uh, whereas other people got a little more specific in their uh, their promos about Brody. Alright, so we uh, we get opened up here with a match, uh, if I can friggin' find it. Ah, Colt Cabana and the Young Bucks uh, versus Matt Hardy in Private Party. Uh, this set the tone. Uh, Colt Cabana choking back tears here a number, number of points in the match. Uh, this is a guy who I'm sure would be fine in the mid-card somewhere in AEW, but uh, Brody... Uh, kind of took him under his wing and made him part of the Dark Order here. Uh, very emotional match. Uh, Cole Cabana looks fantastic. This is easily his best performance uh, in in AEW Dynamite. Um, let's run it down. Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn were more aggressive under the tutelage of Hardy while the Baby Fist trio uh, provided the flashy moves to pop the crowd and the end private party was able to hit the gin and juice on Nick Jackson. Uh, the hits kept coming with a twist of fate, Swanton, and Shooting Star Press, all to Nick. Cabana made Ed the save to keep Hope alive. Hardy decided a chair needed to be used, but Quinn wasn't comfortable with violent cheating. The delay allowed the good guys to take control. Cabana crushed Cassidy with a Chicago skyline as Quinn ate an indie taker from the Bucks. Cabana leaped forward for a Superman to, win- to pin uh, for the win. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, after the match, the Acclaimed uh, came down to spit some disses, as this uh, recap puts it. Uh, the SCU uh, came out the SCU. But SCU cut them out and cut them off uh, before it even got started. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian shoved Acclaim into the ring so the Bucks and Cabana could beat them up a little bit more. Uh, negative One approves of Cole Cabana putting the Acclaimed in their place, says this tweet here. Lance Archer! Uh, this guy comes out in full Luke Harper, dirty shirt, and jeans uh, with a with a do-rag in his back pocket attire. Stu Grayson and Evil Uno as a team versus Eddie Kingston, Butcher, and Blade. Uh, there was a inset with... Not inset. There was a uh, backstage with Darby Allin, uh, who basically says he didn't get to meet Brody until this guy came into AEW. And uh, he was the number one guy he wanted to wrestle. Uh, there was also uh, Eddie Kingston bit. Uh, man, Eddie Kingston is so fucking... This guy... Is so intense, is such a good time, so captivating. His eyes are so deep. This guy so Eddie Kingston had a, a talking head. Uh, thing where he's telling the kids, hey, uh, your father did something that a lot of fathers don't do that stuck around and, and loved the hell out of you. And as long as you remember him, uh, he's never really gone. And a lot of other great sentiments from Eddie Kingston here are so fucking sincere. Eddie Kingston comes out here with a microphone and he's like so, something along the lines of uh, "Brody, Lee, you're my brother, I miss you, I love you or something like that. And he's like, the Dark Order sucks and let's get down to business. It was It was just great. Uh, Jake Robertson, Bunny are ringside. Archer, uh, like I said, wore an outfit resembling that of Luke Harper. Kingston had nice words for Brody, but he turned his ire to the Dark Order. He aimed to prove they are cowards. Evil Uno responded by getting the referee to check Kingston's knee pad so he could deliver a cheap shot boot to Kingston's face. Uh, this bout was a slobber knocker. The finish saw Archer and Kingston brawl on the floor while Grayson walloped Butcher with a flying DDT on the apron. Dark Order hit Fatality on a Blade for victory. Archer was fantastic. He brought a style of aggression, intensity, fitting of Brody. Uh, and I loved how amped up he was when slamming Uno and Grayson on top of Kingston, then demanding they return the favor uh, that they did with a double suplex. After the match, Archer and the Dark Order took uh, turns pummeling Kingston. Roberts, uh, that is, Jake the Snake Roberts, even got in the action with the short-arm clothesline. Everybody's feeling good. The fucking the fucking heels are going over the dark order the joke heels at one point in the show are going over in every match you realize here after the second one i think when you open with colt cabana getting the pin it's it, that sets the tone it's like oh no, no 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 the dark order guys are are winning every match here and you're like what does that mean um and here by the second match you're like oh that means we're wrestling is fun that means that pro wrestling is made up and literally Anything can happen, and while this night wasn't considered part of the canon, didn't necessarily go out of its way to advance any storylines and characters, I fucking disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think there can be moments like this, uh, where heels and faces and allegiances can be bent ever so slightly to to do something like this. Um, you can't do it all the time, obviously, and God, God willing you wouldn't have to do it all the time, but boy howdy did this show work. Hey man page Alex uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver versus MJF Santana and Ortiz. I won't get into the details of this match even though it was a pretty lengthy uh, match rundown here. The ending of this match, the choreography with everyone involved, uh from MJF getting in the face of Negative 1 just being the ultimate heel eating a kendo stick shot uh to the face from from Brody Lee Jr. here, uh being late on breaking up a pin, uh John Silver here at the end uh delivering the discus lariat um, and then just breaking down in the ring. I go see this match. If you see one uh, match on the show, go see this uh, Hangman Dark Order um, match against MJF and and uh, Proud and Powerful. It's absolutely fantastic. The the emotion. The emotional peak break at the end of this match. John Silver wearing an outfit, like a mini-me, uh, exalted one outfit that Brody had allegedly bought him for $1,000 or something like that. Uh, oh, my cat wants to play fetch. Hello, Ziggy. Is it fetch time? I'm talking about John Silver breaking down in the ring, okay? We got a It's a serious business. Crazy. Uh, he's, he's lumped over. Alex Reynolds is there. Everybody's kind of hugging it out in the ring. Uh, I should mention that during this match... When Wardlow—it was a Wardlow—tries to get involved, or is it J.K.? What, who the fuck was it? <laughs> one of the Hosses. But which Hoss was it? I think it was Hager, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Eric Rowan shows up, Big Red. Eric Rowan, I believe, is his WWE name, so you're not supposed to call him that. Uh, also shows up here, of course, the uh, the the other Bludgeon brother, the other long long time traveling and uh, wrestling companion of of one Brody Lee. Uh, shows up here and shows up again at the end with a sign here that says uh, uh, love you brother, see you down the road something to those effects, my god uh, just destroyed, I'm I'm trying not to dig too much into it and, and remember it too clearly here, but by god was it a moment that everyone should check out Anna Jay and Tay Conti uh, versus Britt Baker and Penelope Ford, ladies uh, has some trouble keeping it together about mid-match here, but pulled it together for again one of the best matches, if not the best match easily that Anna Jay uh, and Take Conti have had an AEW? Um, and I'm to understand at least one half of those, Anna uh, Jay I believe is coming over from WWE where she was in developmental for years and years and years. And in the in the short time she's been here, the tutelage of, of I guess one QT Marshall. Uh, she's come so far. Afterward, Dr. Breaker called Tony Schiavone to the ring to complain about a conspiracy. To make a, a, a big rig pun joke here uh, when Thunder Rosa stormed in to attack her from behind. Uh, again, more inset promos, more stuff throughout the show. Cody Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, and Ten, uh, versus Team Taz, consisting of Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Will Hobbs. Nothing wrong with this match. This match maybe felt most out of sorts in terms of its, uh, in terms of how it was put together. Obviously, yeah, it works. I was gonna say, like, you kept, uh, you kept Darby Allen out of this match. I feel like if you swapped Darby Allen here, it would be stepping on the, uh, the storyline a bit of Team Taz coming out and talking mad shit with all their huge, muscly, talented wrestlers. And then Sting coming out and everybody running away. Uh, which happened again on this previous week's uh, episode of AEW Dynamite. I feel a bit like I'm rambling. Uh, after this match, of course, yes, we got Sting coming out uh, to, to, to threaten them. Um there's a there's a moment after of course the match here where they they put the boots in the middle of the ring. Uh, they retire Tony Khan retires that TNT Championship makes Brody Lee uh, the TNT champion for life. I believe Brody Lee Jr. has been given a uh, a a contract of some kind within AEW. There's tons of back uh, behind the scenes stuff you can watch as well uh, with with uh, Brody Lee Jr. given a discus lariat to Adam Cole and all kinds of fun stuff from Dark and uh, being the elite. So I recommend you check that out. Brody Lee, we're gonna miss you, buddy. Uh, it's a real shame you couldn't see this show and realize, uh, I, I mean, I I don't know the guy. I hope you realized how much he meant to so many people. Uh, this is a man who loved his family, seemingly loved the hell out of life, and regularly, more than any other celebrity death in recent memory that I can think of, I keep remembering that this guy is fucking gone, and, uh, and re- getting really bummed out about it, just being like, man, what a fucking rising star. What a, what a guy who's this many years into his career and is like oh shit like what's the limit for this guy we're gonna finally see it and uh, and here we are so uh, his legacy uh, is is well cemented in AEW as long as it exists he will be remembered he'll be remembered by all these working wrestlers and this show will be remembered as one of the greatest wrestling tribute shows of all time I'm not saying that just because WWE didn't do it that has nothing to do with it the precedent. Has been set. Nothing like this in terms of a tribute show, in terms of the wrestling, the main wrestling show being completely redone uh, into something like this, has existed uh, to my to my knowledge. So, by God, uh, check this show out if you're looking for a sad happy pro wrestling time. They put a smile on uh, Brody Lee Jr.'s face, and that's about all. You could hope for in this match. Uh, so, I, again, I'm using not my own notes for this previous A uh, AEW Dynamite. This is from January 6th. This is New Year's Bash. This is week, week one. I got a little confused because they announced all the matches and, and the special happenings. And then they mixed it up with the Brody thing. So Snoop Dogg appeared here. Originally, Snoop Dogg was supposed to appear on the second show, which was going to be today. So that makes sense. Uh, and for the most part, this was an okay show. Nobody watched it, of course, because there was a fucking insurgence in Washington D.C. I think both this and NXT did like all-time low numbers. We're talking like f- 500 and a half k for NXT. AEW wasn't wasn't much more than that. Um, the point being that both shows uh, deserved far more viewers than they uh, than they received. I had to take away my cat's ball. I feel awful. He's looking at me now. He's like, "Why? Why do you have to talk about wrestling?" All right. Uh John Moxley appears on this fucking show and gives a promo. Uh it's kind of everything it needed to be. Again, with John Moxley, it's just like you're you're holding it against the you're holding him, you're holding a lot of other people in AEW against the thing we are used to. We still haven't broken free of from watching WWE for so many years. It's just like ah. This guy lost the championship. He he was undefeated for a full year and he lost the fucking championship. He's been off for a couple weeks. What could he possibly say? Okay, well, he said this. Okay, perfect. Uh, Just a quick badass promo, put over the importance of the AEW Championship, put over Ray Phoenix, and of course uh, announced that this is not over. Uh, There there is unfinished business between he and Kenny Omega, but if if I was booking the show, Moxley doesn't get the belt back from... Moxley gets the belt back, absolutely, but he does not need to get it from Omega. We can make this nested. We can make this... More complicated. You can make this harder than it needs to be, uh, and by that I mean you put put someone like Adam Page in that spot against uh, against Omega, etc. Uh, okay, get get it a little confusing. Get a, get a, get a triple threat in there for the championship. New Japan Pro Wrestling didn't do it. Let's do it. All right. Where do I fucking begin on this thing? Young Bucks and SEU uh, versus the Acclaimed, and TH2 started this this show having a uh, action-pass tag match. action past, Action-packed tag match uh, to start a Dynamite. Always a good thing. All these guys are great. Uh, TH2 comes out dancing to the Acclaim's uh, uh, jukebox a <laughs> ghetto blaster, whatever you want to call it. Max Caster dissed the Bucks and Snoop Dogg in a ba- uh, battle rap as TH2 danced in uh, in the back. The match was uh, flashy as you would expect. In the end, Jack Evans took a bunch of moves and succumbed to the best moonsault ever driver from Christopher Daniels and Matt Jackson. Afterwards, Frankie Kazarian reminded us uh, about his deal with Christopher Daniels. The next tag team loss for SEU means that they will split up until that day comes. They've got their eyes on the tag team titles. Uh, they will have the Bucks backs, except for when competing against each other for the belts. The Bucks accepted that sporting reality without attitude. Uh, I don't, it says, Frankie Kazarian reminds us of his deal with Christopher Daniels. I don't remember when this took place. Uh, it sounds like something that may have happened. I don't know if it happened on Dark. Uh, if it did happen on the main AEW show, I, uh, I must have fucking... Straight up missed it. Uh, that that makes sense. Christopher Daniels is, is an older guy. He can be uh, on the mic or be in a, a coaching role or a manager role or something like that. Obviously, the man should still wrestle if he, he's up to it. But Frankie Kazarian's got a singles run in him of some kind uh, that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Massive tag bouts in AEW have been a mixed bag, says this writer. This contest fell on the positive side of the scale. Uh, there was good action and plenty of space for individuals to shine. I mean, when you consider the acclaimed and how green they are uh teaming here with TH two who who are great. Uh this this was fine. A Haas fight. Warlow and Jake Hagar finally get their hands on each other, these two members of the inner circle. Uh still have some kind of lasting feud, some problem between them. Uh g- g- Coming out of them staring at one another. Uh, Inner Circle members observed from the stage. It was a slow start as these big men tested each other. Hagar swung his meat hooks. For early success, Wardlow fired back with a clothesline to knock both men out of the ring. A slugfest and a double clothesline flattened them to the floor. Wardlow gained control with corner ramming and suplex tosses. Hagar rebounded with corner jacking of his own and a hugging slam. Hagar tried to finish with a Vader bomb. Wardlow got his feet up, uh, put Hagar, but Hagar saw it coming and uh, snatched a leg for an ankle lock. Wardlow then. Uh, Wardlow upkicked his meaty hoof into Hagar's jaw. Wardlow had momentum uh, by cross-checking Hagar off the apron and onto the guardrail. A couple of suplexes were followed by a senton Atomico from Wardlow. One, two, Hagar rolled over to trap Wardlow in a head and arm triangle choke. Wardlow was able to reach the ropes with his foot for the break while uh, batting on the turn... While batting, while batting, battling on the turnbuckles, Hagar uh, caught Wardlow again with a choke. Wardlow wisely dropped down to cause Hagar's head to smash into the turnbuckle. He wisely did this. Wardlow finished it with an F ten. Hagar was upset after his loss, but he accepted a fist bump from Wardlow, and respect was earned. And this seemed. Uh... Seem like things were going to be okay. Hot damn, what a satisfying Hoss fight, says this writer. Uh, they were duking it out hard, but in addition of strategy, made it excellent. I love the submission sequences. Good call for Wardlow to win. Absolutely. It helps legitimize his position in the uh, big men packing, pecking order. This might be looked back on as a passing of the Hoss torch. Uh, Jake Hagar... Listen... Uh, he's, he's a million times, uh, what he was in terms of a believable threat, uh, and compared to, to the swagger gimmick at WWE, the MMA thing and angle that he works in pro wrestling here makes sense. Wardlow as the maybe more complete, and I, I'm, I'm saying this with no, uh, insult whatsoever to J. maybe more of a complete pro wrestler, uh, Wardlow is with, with some of his, his repertoire, his move list, uh, and and the right man won here, and it's good to see that there's some camaraderie between them now. A hoss fight. Great. Always great. TNT weigh-in. Brian Cage tipped the scales at 272 pounds. Darby Allen was 170 pounds while wearing his normal clothes. Allen assumed... Uh, an ambush from Team Taz, so he wanted to fight right then. Lights out, Sting is here, Team Taz, Taz backs off. Sting and Alan look at, uh, at each other like a couple of weirdos. Commentary pushed the idea that a relationship is blossoming. Only this is the exact same thing that's happened for... When did Sting debut on AEW? When did Sting debut on AEW? Sting debuted on... Why did Sting go to AEW? When did Sting join the event? When, Sting... when, Sting... when did Sting? When did Sting? When did Sting? How many weeks has it been since Sting debuted on AEW? What was it? Winter is coming? Winter is coming. AEW. Professional. December 2nd. Uh, it has been since that day when he did exactly this. It has been one, two, three, four, five, six. It has been. It has been, it has been six weeks. Including the Brody Lee tribute show, he did this. He came out, it snowed, he menaced them, and Team Taz ran away. Six weeks is is too long to do the exact same thing. Every other week makes sense? If you're gonna have some kind of tense standoff where Team Taz is gonna jump Darby Allen every week, I have to reiterate, for the same reasons that you can do a Brody Lee tribute show, it's fake. Make it different. Uh, I don't know where this thing thing is going obviously that's what they're they're baiting us with what will become of this uh will we find out something more more definitive next week when Darby Allen and Brian Cage fight let's hope so nothing against sting I just wh- where is this going and if it's not going anywhere fast let's stop doing this because it's 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 cheapening team taz let's put it that way all right Cody Rhodes and Matt Seidel. snoop dogg took over Arn Anderson's coaching duties <laughs> as a way to promote the Go Big Show on TBS, not to be confused with The Big Big Show or The Big Show Show. Cody comes out. Snoop has a, a version of Cody's entrance music that he re-recorded that plays for a bit, and then it switches back to Cody's thing. Cody kicked out of Seidel's finishing routine for uh, of a roundhouse kick and a cradle slam. Cody avoided a jumping knee to counter for a crossroads, a second crossroads, did the deed, uh, that's selling this match short, which is actually quite quite good. Um, Matt Seidel is great. Uh, he, he to me, is like a Dolph Ziggler type. Just a fucking fantastic worker. A smaller guy, can do high-flying stuff, can do uh, matches with, with bigger guys like Cody. In the case of AW, Cody is, I guess, a bigger guy. Uh, we need to see Matt, more Matt Seidel. I don't know a whole lot about him. Let's do it. Uh, this bout was a barn burner. Seidel was crafty enough to make me think he might even win. That helped add to the drama of the finish, says this writer. During the match, Cody accidentally punched, Serpe- punched Serpentico when Seidel ducked. After the match, Serpentico and Luther immediately attacked. Cody and Seidel regained control and set up Serpentico to take a flying spa- splash from Snoop for an amusing moment. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop, Snoop gets up on the rope here. And he does a crossbody, uh, which people are referring to as the downward dog, which is fantastic because, yes, it looked like he kept his ass. You know, when you see someone dive for the first time, the, the, the motion isn't quite there, so they just kind of like fall, fall ass over a tea kettle into the water. Uh, that was kind of what it looked like here. Nothing against the man. This man is nine feet tall and 100 years old. Uh, good for you, Snoop Dogg. Always good to see. You. A piece of Americana, Snoop, Snoop Doggy Dog. This was fine. Uh, Snoop was also in a segment earlier with Private Party and Matt Hardy backstage. Uh, there's a lot of parts of this match when, when Snoop Dogg was just kind of standing on the ramp semi-awkwardly, but it was fine. Uh, keep in mind that Snoop Dogg is a WWE Hall of Famer, and I'm sure Vince McMahon was really happy to see this man bumping on TNT. Uh, this is when the John Moxie promo took place. Just for the record. Chuck Taylor with Orange Cassidy by his side provided an update on Trent's injury. The man uh, will be missing four to five months. A shoot injury, I can only assume. This is awful news, uh, because best friends had a little bit of momentum. Uh, Miro with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford by his side interrupted. Uh, Chuck challenged Miro to a match. Miro upped the stakes to uh, Taylor, becoming his young boy upon defeat. Chuck uh, stupidly agreed without thinking it over. Bad move on Chuck's part. Yeah, so uh, young boy is like a, a Japanese wrestling term. You, you're basically like a squire uh, for, for Miro. Here you go, Fetches vitamin water and what else not. Uh, so there's some comedy to be uh, to be gained out of this. Also, they're setting up a angle, which is a wrestling match, and then this versus something to do with an arcade machine or anything like that. Uh, so I'm for it. I, I put my money where my mouth is on that one and say, good, good idea. Uh, yeah, in terms of backstage te- segments, I already talked about Private Party uh, with the gin, but forgot the juice, which Snoop Dogg graciously provides. We got a clip aired from Dark when Brody Lee Jr. tried to fight Marco Stunt and led to an interview with Jurassic Express. FTR interrupted to call Stunt a glorified mascot with no value to his team. Stunt mouthed off about replacing Luchasaurus in next week's tag bout against FTR. Uh, it was announced that Tay Conti will compete against Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship next week. Conti revealed that she won't be alone. Anna J. John Silver and Alex Reynolds will be by her side. So she is aligning herself, I guess, for sure with the Dark Order, who are about to be the biggest baby faces on the show, uh, depending on what direction they decide to go with that. Uh, it's also worth noting that the Dark Order was not present uh, really on this show outside of, of that. Okay, uh, there was a women's. Championship match on this show. I'm just trying to find where in this outline that it's even mentioned. Abaddon and Hikaru Shida. Uh, So I've been on record saying I like Abaddon. Like, uh, I buy into the monster thing in a way that the Chris Stantlander alien thing wasn't working for me. There's something so unnerving about Abaddon. And I guess the same way that The Fiend was when you first saw The Fiend in his mask. Uh, Bray White in his mask, rather. But... Then they wrestle, and the gimmick has to end. That's that's the confusion. She's not just a creature uh, that wears wrestling clothes and bleeds from the mouth and shows up to taunt the championship. Uh, a cha- champion, rather. She she legitimately is vying for this championship. And then you need to add a layer to the character, a layer to the wrestler, a layer to the story that's being told in... In the ring. Leading up to this, they started with Hikaroshita being scared. Nobody liked that. So they kind of changed it into Hikaroshita is scared, but it doesn't paralyze her uh, into kendo sticking Abaddon and attacking Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon then resorted to biting and leaving bloody gashes on the neck of Hikaroshita. And then that was kind of the story of the match here. Uh, Abaddon's there over the commercial break. Hikaroshita shows up. Abaddon comes at her, and Hikaroshita s- cracks her in the head with a kendo stick before this match begins. Okay. Uh, If that's allowed, do that before every fucking... You're about to defend your championship. I can go up on the ramp before the bell rings and crack them in the head with a kendo stick and we're just... The match is still on. It's fine. There's no problems. And then as soon as the match starts, Abaddon is trying to repeatedly bite Hikaru Shida in this match. And that's where I have to say, as cool as the gimmick is, as cool as the costume is, when it comes down to the wrestling match, Abaddon has to get it together and compete if she's simply looking to bite Hikaru Shida, that's a disqualification and should be called as such, which it wasn't at multiple times in this match. Even when both combatants found themselves under the ring where the referee couldn't see them, this match continued and was considered uh, a, a proper finish uh, when, when Hikaru Shida went over. I thought that was strange. In terms of a match, in terms of a spectacle of champion Hikaru Shida fighting a monster zombie on AEW Dynamite, I guess it was fine. Uh, in terms of a pro wrestling match within the confines of every other pro wrestling match on this card, uh, I got problems with it, and uh, that's not even to say it's like the worst women's match. It's the worst championship match. No, no, there's been there's been way worse. Uh, it's just the gimmick, uh, the 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 character of Abaddon. Just something something needs to be added to it. Uh, I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because even the the fiend doesn't cheat, right? Is the is the fiend a babyface? The the disqualification thing, I'm it's, you know it is what it is. Uh, but I thought that was, anyways. Sakurashita retains here, and it's been a long build up for this to be the end of it. So I think this is going to continue in some fucked up way. I feel I'm like it's going to happen. All right, let's get to what I did take notes for, and I apologize for not taking notes for the whole show this week's uh, AEW Dynamite. I will do that for you because I know you like my own flavor. As <laughs> it were. Next week's card, Near Smash Volume 2, Darby Allin versus Brian Cage for the TNT Championship, Chuck Taylor versus Miro. If Chuck Taylor loses, he becomes a young boy. Serena Deeb versus Tay Conti for the NWA Women's Championship. We cut to Dark Order with Tay Conti backstage. They do a little promo here. The Elite will be in action Jurassic Express versus FTR, Pac versus Eddie Kingston. The inner circle revealed their New Year's resolutions. The waiting room with Britt Baker, special guest Cody Rhodes. There was also one promo I forgot to mention here with MJF backstage with Jake Hagar, where MJF very diplomatic diplomatically approaches Hagar and kind of makes things right, kind of kind of smooths things over, and it's very subtle. And I hope this lasts all year with MJF slowly ingratiating himself with the uh, with the inner circle. And taking it over. I Can you imagine a heel inner circle led by MJF versus a face Dark Order led by Hangman Adam Page? Does Hangman Adam Page seem like an obvious answer now. Like that was kind of like a ah, Adam Page will, 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 will flirt with the idea of the Dark Order because now he's he's alone. But that he'll he'll move on to something in a singles program. But now, well, now everything's different. All right, Ray Phoenix and Kenny fucking Omega. Let's talk about it. They're fighting for the AEW Championship. Uh, these two men have a lot of history in and out of AEW uh, t- itself. Ray Phoenix enters first. Pac, uh cuts a promo in picture-in-picture. In Picture, flanked by the Lucha Bros. Pac puts him over big. Justin Roberts with a big shitty preamble for Kenny's accolades. Shout out to Winnipeg. Big yes from Chris Jericho. Reigning AEW Champion uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, stay tuned after the show for AEW Games 2-point show. I don't know what that is. I didn't look into what it is. I haven't heard anything about what it was. But that was uh, something with Kenny Omega that happened after AEW Dynamite. Because Jericho puts over Winnipeg as the wrestling capital of Canada, names a number of other cities, and says, what do they have claim that Winnipeg doesn't? Uh, with he, Kenny Omega, and Don Callis all hailing from there. Omega spikes Phoenix on the top of his head. Ray rolls out. Uh, Omega runs the ropes. Phoenix slides back into the ring with a step-up hurricane Hurricanrana. Uh, continues his assault to the outside of the ring. The men trade knife-edge shops. Omega sends Phoenix to the floor where the chopping continues. Excalibur puts over Omega's friend Kota Ibushi and his dominance in the Tokyo Dome. Phoenix attempts a running cutter. Omega reverses it into a Snapdragon suplex. Phoenix planted on the ring apron. Phoenix planted back first on the barricade back in the ring Kotaru Crusher and near fall on Phoenix Phoenix with some tightrope work here double springboard gives a chase Tope Con Hero to Omega and Phoenix nearly fires himself over the barricade he was running so hard Uh, back in the ring Phoenix with a chop in the corner Omega reverses a hammer throw men fight back and forth Phoenix backflips off the top rope and hits a suplex Uh, I stopped taking notes here for a moment because the action just was fucking relentless V trigger Phoenix kips up for an enigma both men are down Ray Phoenix determined chases uh, to his feet. What? Raises to his feet. Top rope. Omega catches him with a knee. V-trigger and Phoenix kicks out. Some light posing here by Kenny Omega. Another V-trigger. Omega gets Phoenix up for a one-wig angel. A huge Frankensteiner from Ray Phoenix. Callus distracts Phoenix, who takes the bait. Goes to enter the ring and eats a knee from a now-recovered Kenny Omega. Outside, uh... Outside-in cutter, as in jumps from the outside to the inside of the ring with a cutter uh, to Omega for a near fall. Fire Thunder driver with an added kick to the face. Jericho can't get over this small knee to the face, basically. Ray Phoenix has uh, Omega up for the drop and then just gives him a little knee to the face right before doing it. It's adorable and great. Phoenix pays homage to Eddie Guerrero on the top rope. Frog splash, but Kenny gets his knees up. Brett's rope, Omega trying to hook Ray's knee. Phoenix breaks free, goes to flip. Omega catches him just perfectly... Uh, like a couple of Chinese acrobats here, Tiger Driver ninety eight, V Trigger, Nearfall, One Wing Angel, and that of course puts him away. One two three, Kenny Omega retains the AW Championship. Ray Phoenix is pinned. Pac and Penta are taken apart backstage by Butcher and Blade and crew. Phoenix lies crying and beaten in the corner. Callus advises uh, Kenny to get him up and finish him off. John Moxley appears with a barbed wire bat and slugs Kenny in the stomach with it. Suddenly, two good brothers appear to beat down Moxley. Gallows and Anderson, Impact Tag Champions, arrive and they give the magic killer to Moxley. Nobody coming to rescue Moxley. Jericho explains this is what happens when you go lone wolf. Omega clubs Moxley in the back with a barbed wire bat. Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison appear to be beaten back. If Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison appear as the only two people to, to help you out, I uh, times are tough. Gallows Powerbomb some geek at ringside. The Impact crew cleans house. The Young Bucks appear and finally break things up. Matt and Nick confuse. Protect Omega from Griff and Pillman uh, by superkicking one of them. Omega tosses up a two-suite. The Good Brothers join him, as do the Bucks reluctantly. And we go off the air. A little bit of an invasion here. A little bit of an impact invasion of AEW. Uh, working well so far. These fucking heels uh, deserve what's coming to them. Uh, so to that end, this, this angle is heating up. Uh, to what end? I don't know. But uh, when you involve more Impact guys and more AEW guys here, then it can be those guys pinning their own guys, and that is most important, I think. Uh, of course, a big upset with with Kenny Omega winning the Impact Championship, or something. like you can you can like I need to reiterate this is made up. You can sit there and brainstorm until there's a way where everyone comes out shining. Uh, more brightly than they did before without having to lose their championships. But I digress. At Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Lee at com is my email address. Send your questions, topics, whatever you got. Uh, thank you for uh, for hanging out, waiting for me to record this podcast and dealing with my rambling at the start about that Brody Lee episode. It's very hard to uh, articulate without taking my own notes there of how I felt trying to scroll through someone else's notes. And that's my fault. That's no one's fault but my own. And I apologize. My own notes will be the way going Forward. Just needed a week off. You understand? Happy New Year, everybody. Stay tuned for Public Beta Podcast coming up this Wednesday, where we talk a little bit more about Cyberpunk and the goings-on in the world of video games, and we'll of course return next weekend to talk Sultans of Slam for New Year's Bash 2. Will Darby Allen retain the TNT Championship? Will Sting come out menacingly and do nothing? Only time will tell. On the Sultans of Fire!